coaching changes and when to make them. And when are you successful? Vancouver? Uh, yeah. Yes. Winnipeg? No. Don't hire a guy who's already on your bench. That's my theory. The assistant coach thing, well, he was already in the room. What was he doing before? Edmonton, yes. Yeah. Let's go to Bob Stoffer, host of Oilers Now. It was that easy, wasn't it, Bob? Uh, well, it wasn't that easy, uh, <laughs> Nick and Justin. Uh, there's a thing, Brian Burke refers to it as the dead cat bounce. And I do think sometimes that happens. I, I will say this, I, Ken Holland, I know you had Joaquin Gage on last week, but Ken didn't want to do this. You know, he's never fired a guy during the season. Uh, as a manager, he knows his culpability in rounding out the Oilers lineup. And uh, Mike Smith wasn't healthy for the first, you know, 40 games of the season. And Smith had a 9.23 save percentage last year. And I know in particular, Nick, that Justin uh, runs numbers. And, it, you know, you take a look at uh, the firings that occurred with Travis Green in Vancouver and um, Vigneault in Philadelphia, though I think there's a lot of culpability in his relationship with Carter Hart, who's from Sherwood Park, just outside of Edmonton here. Um Montreal, you know, what, what happened with Ducharme. I, I think five of the fo- coaches firing saw teams have save percentages between 885-901. Uh, Jeremy Colleton in Chicago, you know, Flurry got off to a tough start. So the Oilers' save percentage at the time of uh, Tips firing was 897. Is that, a ref- is that a reflection just on the coaches? No. Is it a reflection on team defense? I'd say yes. And uh, But you got to get stops. And lo and behold, the last three games... They've gotten stops. Vancouver, the first nine games under Gabby. Uh, Demko was at 9.55 in his first seven games. So they're getting stops here over the last three games, but they've played way better defensively. They're forcing teams to beat five men instead of a couple. Under Tippett, the Oilers were giving up the most odd man breaks in the league. They've completely shut that down through the first three games. Short sample size, but it does look better. Yeah, Stoff, what what appears to be the... um... I guess the the changes then. So you're talking about obviously get goaltending, but they tighten things up defensively. Uh, Are the lines going to remain the same? What's going to be different now that uh, Woodcroft is running the bench there? Well, it's Woodcroft and Manson, and that's the Elliott reported in 32 thoughts that there were other teams looking at Manson. I mean, Dave Manson, I I don't have to tell you two guys, Nick, you played against him. I mean, he was with with a Prince Albert team that stole the other team's nets in the warm-up and changed uh, how the (laughs) WHL warmed up. So, I was, that was, everybody thinks New West was the toughest team in WHL history. That's BS. New West was like the Flyers. They were bullies, right? They, 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 ganged, they ganged up. Prince Albert, they won on one you. You know, like, <laughs> we got nine guys that can fight. Pick your pick. Like, that's where Manson came from. And he came in as a fighter, evolved as a power play quarterback, and then late in his career, re, you know, sort of re, reemerged as a shutdown D. 12 years in the WHL as a, as a coach. Four years in the A, he knows, you know, he's got a relationship with four of the Oilers defensemen that are here right now. He's a big part of this. Uh, they've gone 11 and 7, the 7 because they don't have somebody that can take Duncan Keith's minutes. So they split them up between three left shot D. Uh, it's an interesting approach, but I, I, am a, I, I think that Woodcroft and, and, and that's the coach that uh, Ken Holland would have seen the most next to his own with the Oilers with Dave Tippett is Jay Woodcroft. So, I think they know the personnel. That's helped them get a little bit of a running start. They've deployed the personnel differently. 
They're, they're certainly having the third forward high. They're not uh, selling out as much on the forecheck. Uh, and then right away, even on a game day, like Friday they came in, and the Oilers had a game against the Islanders. They were working on drills to have backside support and, and, and uh, uh, you know, better backtracking from their forwards and then, and then options off of that, like right in, right in the opening day on a, on a morning skate, which is where they did the same thing the next day, the only full practice they've had on a Saturday. So they're incorporating some small little details into the Oilers' games. Maybe Edmonton won't score as much, but the hope is they won't give up as much. Dave Manson was one of those guys, one of the few guys that would really scare me on the ice. Oh, yeah. Like where you'd look at him and the eyes would roll back like slot machines at Casino Rama. Yeah. That that kind of craziness sometimes. And that intensity can't hurt guys on the blue line. I know the minutes are, are allocated a little differently and it's Cody Cece that may benefit the most with uh, more responsibility. Well, the reality is there's a little bit of redundancy, you guys, with Tyson Berry and, and, and Evan Bouchard. Like Evan's, Evan's going to hit the home run here because he's, you know, when his contract comes up, it's not at the end of this year, it's the end of next year. And by the end of next year, he's going to be the full-time quarterback on the Oilers' power play. And that power play has been crappy lately, but it's going to get good again because they have McDavid and Drysaddle and Nugent Hopkins. And, right. uh, you know, Connor, right, it's just inevitable that it's going to happen. You just – Nugent Hopkins may not be a, an elite five-on-five, though he's been very good since uh, January this year, five-on-five at even strength. But he has been historically off the charts with the power play dating back to his first year in the NHL. So uh, Bouchard's going to be the benefactor of that. And Jeff Jackson's going to hit the home run when he goes to negotiate that deal in the summer of 2023. CC's playing a lot. They've cut Bouchard back. Uh, Tyson Berry's basically playing the same amount. But again, you know, Bouchard spent a year with Dave Manson down in Bakersfield. And then they got Broberg, who's going to be good. Maybe not right away, but he's going to be good. And uh, and then Nima Linen's kind of broken through here the last uh, year or so in Edmonton. Kind of, he's almost moved past Dimitri Samar. Like the Oilers have got tall, rangy, long defenders. And with the way the game's going, and what you you know, you can't play like uh, you know Craig Ludwig and Darian Hatcher and Richard, Richard Matichuk did in Dallas in the late '90s and early 2000s. But reach helps. And the owners are going to have that, and they're going to have cheap options as well because they're going to have some guys coming up on ELC. So it's going to be interesting to watch what they can do with the evolution of their defense. I think Manson's a teacher, Nick. i got to tell you. Like, I, I, I don't believe anybody today could successfully coach breaking players down and building them up. He has shown the ability to teach and to grow players in a very understated fashion, but I know they got the respect for him because of the career he had in the league and the tone and the approach that he has with the players. Well, he's got their attention. No question about that. What's um, stuff? I've got two kind of related questions here for you. First off is what are the Oilers? And I mean that in their division, you know, they're, they're right there with LA and Anaheim, but they're not that team. They're better than that group. Are they not? And then how does that affect to what happens at the deadline? Then is this team going to be a buyer? Uh, all right. Well, first of all, I mean, I thought they'd be a top 18, and they were 16 and five, and had the best winning percentage in the league. And then it went to crap, and they right. went to 11 and two. So I'm with you. I think when I was on with you guys uh, two or three weeks ago, I said they were in the right division to get back into it. I don't think Vegas is as good as everybody thinks. Calgary's good, and I knew they were going to be good because there was no way that Markstrom was going to put up a 904 save percentage again. So it, it was inevitable he was going to bounce back, and they got Sutter there. And, 
So I, I think Edmonton can can legitimately compete the rest of the way for the you know the Pacific Division title. But I think the Pacific Division is the weakest of the four divisions. So let's start there. I think they're pro- my hope was they'd be a top eight team this year. I think they're probably going to be six to twelve. And this is where I mentioned they were twelfth and eleventh the last two years. But they have a chance to be a different type of six to twelve team if they can have improved structure and process. Uh, and defensive awareness in their team. So as for, I don't think they'll be a big buyer. I got to tell you that right now. I think the hope is that Smith and Koskinen can get them through the year. Uh, Stuart Skinner's an excellent young goaltender. He's he's become a grade A prospect. He's evolved in a lot. He's been terrific in the AHL the last two years, and he's held his head above water at the NHL level here, and he'll be on the team next year. But I don't think they're going to be a hard buyer at the deadline. So you kind of answered my next question on the goaltending because uh, with the hot start, goaltending wasn't an issue, and then it became an issue. And what you're telling me now is it's it's not an issue again. No, I'm saying in the last three games it hasn't been an issue. Nick, you guys have both been in rooms, right? Like... You tell me, you know, when you're sitting there and you're playing with the Rangers and you're rolling out Richter, you probably are pretty confident, right? That that comes with it. I, I will say the last three games, like Smith's two best starts have been in the last three games the Oilers played, and uh, Skinner was good for five minutes against San Jose, and then the Oilers just shut the game down and locked it right down against the Sharks. So, you know, I and I, ironically, Koskinen was 4-0-1 in those last five starts, before the All-Star break, before he got COVID, and he had a 920 save percentage. And even the best goaltenders in the world have crappy six or seven game stretches. That's I could do the numbers all day on that. I mean, it just you just have to watch the game to know that that occurs. I don't 100% know what Edmonton has in goal. I do know if they limit the grade-A opportunities, don't give up as much off the transition. Again, they were the worst team in the league on odd-man breaks through the first 40 games of the year. They're also number one in the league in offensive zone time. Interesting stats. Um, you know, if you limit the opposition's caliber scoring opportunities, you have a chance to make a lot of goalies look pretty good. How has the addition of Evander Kane paid off so far? I saw it through a pretty good left uh, left punch the other day, but uh, other than that, uh, it looks pretty good so far. I want to ask both of you guys. Nick, do you think that uh, Lemieux sold that? Or oh, was my he God. A little... I'll take that from Nick. Lemieux looked like he got shot. I mean, my yeah. God, I thought that was uh, dramatic. Like a bag of feathers. <laughs> Just he exploded. Like, like I know Evander can, you know, I mean, he dropped Matt Cook once, and I remember he fought Alex Petrovich, who's from Edmonton, three times in oh. one game. and one. But yeah, I didn't think he got up that good. And what really upset me during the game is Lemieux went after Evan Bouchard. I'm like, come on, man. Like, and don't get me, Lemieux can fight. Oh, like, yeah. He can, ha- he can handle himself. He's a gamer. He's a gamer. He can he can fight, but you're going after a 22 year old rookie D. Like, come on! Oh, and the, like, the face checking the face on the bench I know, and just my you know, are all broken. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just it was just uh, as for Kane, he's got three goals, six points in eight games. He's plus six. Uh, he's maybe taken an undisciplined penalty. You got to kill those ones off. When a guy on the other team's being a pain in the ass like that, and he's gotten in the grill of you, you know your future, you know power play right shot quarterback defenseman you got to kill it off when you poke a guy like that that's the school i come from i mean i grew up playing against todd ewan and john cordick so i i'll, I'll tell you right now those guys that was nothing so 
you know, it's kind of like you, it is what it is, right, guys? Like Kane, I don't think Kane, I, I'll say this, Justin, Kane is not close, and he'd be the first to tell you, he's not close to the player that he can be because yeah. he's, he's nowhere near up and running yet. Bob, one more before we let you go, and that's McDavid. McDavid, I've lost track. Is, is Jay Woodcroft his third or fourth coach? Uh, well, we went from uh, McClellan uh, Hitchcock. to Hitchcock Tippett. to fourth. Yeah, fourth coach. And is the sense now that uh, he's he's starting to look like his old self again? The body language uh, last night uh, uh, solid again. I mean, where, where where do you see him? I, I think Connor gets too much. And we got a couple guys here that want to blame our best players all the time at Edmonton for everything that goes wrong. Uh, you know what? Got to build a better roster. That's I, I work for the club, and I'm saying got to build a better uh, lineup around him. Uh, Connor McDavid since December has been evident. The Oilers have been scored on the least five on five when McDavid, he's got the lowest points, you know, goals against per 60, five on five on the team, on the entire team. So... He, he hasn't been an issue. Uh, people read too much in a body language. The guy is driven to win, okay? And, you know, sometimes when guys don't win, they're not happy. I worry more about the guys that are happy-go-lucky when, they, when they're sitting in the middle of a crappy run than the guys that are upset about it. So I'm not worried about Connor. I'm not worried about Leon. And they got R&H playing center right now. He's, he's giving them some juice as a third-line guy. Let's see how this goes in the final 40 games of the season. Plenty of hockey left for the Oilers. Uh, Bob, really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, guys. I'll try not to swing like Evander Kane the next time I'm on. <laughs> Thanks, man. Bob Stauffer, host of the Oilers now. Uh, and uh, Jay Woodcroft's got all three of his top centers on different lines. That's the heart of the team. Yeah. You know, the, the Oilers are a really talented group of players. Like, you look at their roster and go, boy, like, I'm an R&H guy. I think he's a really good player. Love Hyman. Kane's obviously a very good hockey player, McDavid, Drysaddle. We can do this through their whole roster. Like, they got players. You know, I, when he said, you know, uh, you know, he could see them challenging for the division title this year, you, you might have some whiplash, but you look at it after, after three wins in a row, they're only five points back. There's absolutely no reason. I, listen, can, I, be, I believe in Calgary, but... Well, can I'm, you count on Mike Smith Coley. staying healthy? That's... You're going to go through Stuart all Skinner's of this. Well. And it's not like the Oilers are the only team with questionable uh, goalies. Okay, everybody's got them. Oh, Vegas. We're going to get Jesse Granger, uh, who covers the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights for the Athletic, mm-hmm. and uh, he's going to talk Eichel. But they've got a goaltending issue with Leonard now out. Yeah, they got Laurent Brassois, and uh, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we don't know. These two tendies. We got somebody else. I'll be honest. I looked it up before the show, and I did know. So, but Mike Smith and his wear and tear over the years has to be the biggest concern moving forward. I, well, I don't really understand why this Stuart Skinner is not getting more of a push this year. 13 starts. He's a 9-13. In the American League, he's played 10 games. He's a 9.28. Well, yeah. can, can we not just go ahead with Stuart Skinner and just no. see if that... No, 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 no. no, no. no. <laughs> not with Connor McDavid and making the Can't move be for throwing things at Kane. The and you just fired your coach and you're going to leave it to a guy that uh, 
should be groomed for years before getting that opportunity. Mike Smith is a 10-month-old gingerbread house at this point. I, I, you know, fan of him when he's healthy, but you just can't trust that he can hold up. Logan Thompson is the backup for Vegas. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, so yeah, I don't trust Smith. I'd, I think they got to give Skinner a little run, but you know, it's interesting. He said he doesn't think they're going to be buyers. If you think you can win the division, well, might as well. I, I did think that he undersold Calgary and Vegas. I just think it's too hard. I, the Oilers can't Goodbye. be in much of a different scenario than the Toronto Maple Leafs is Leafs have a blue line issue. Oilers would like to upgrade in that. You, you, you just can't. I guess the difference is the Oilers seem to be saying, well, maybe this isn't the year if they're not going to be buyers. Otherwise, you find a way, whether it's picks or prospects or whatever. What a huge what if. They probably should punt, but you don't want to say it to Connor. What a huge what if the Markstrom thing is, too. Because they were hot after. Edmonton was hot after Markstrom, too, when he was a free agent. And whose money would that have been? Because maybe you don't get Duncan Keith or maybe you don't get. Yeah, I don't know what, but but you have an elite goalie. Yeah. And you think about what they look like with an elite goalie this year. You think of how many games have been cost them by, by bad goaltending. And I don't think Nurse's contract at $9.25 million kicks any, in any to next year. That's They're still off of uh, his old contract. Yeah. So they're, they're in a crunch. Call yeah. it cap jail just, and see what kind of response you get on the interwebs. This is cap jail everybody loves well to talk up the... the the trade day, March twenty first. I just, uh, I don't, I don't know what teams are doing to bank the type of freedom that will allow the fan bases to be satisfied. I don't think it's going to be there for Oiler fans or Leaf fans. It's unfortunate the way the pandemic has flattened the salary cap and left everyone with no room. I mean, the Leafs had built their. Uh salary structure on it going up and the Oilers are no different. Uh, that was part of the plan. And now it's uh, going to be a lot less fun. All right. Let's bring in Jesse Granger who follows the golden Knights for coverage for the athletic and the NHL network. Uh, Jesse, thanks for doing this. And uh, what's, what's the overall buzz for, for Jack Eichel. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. The buzz is big here in Vegas. Uh, the, the practices are well attended for golden Knights. Uh, that's kind of, that's been a thing here for, for going on five seasons, but even more so than usual, there have been dozens of fans that practice every day, uh, trying to get their first look at him. Obviously it's been a long time coming. I can't think of a time where a team traded for a player and he didn't make his debut until this long after, but uh, it's pretty, uh, exciting night here in Vegas. So where are they going to slot him in? It doesn't seem like with Mark Stone, but uh, who is he going to be playing with? What kind of opportunity should he see in the early going? Yeah, I was, I'll, I'll be honest. I was a bit surprised at how elevated his, his role is going to be in this game, considering he hasn't played hockey in almost 12 months on the calendar. It's the longest layoff he's had, uh, Jack told us. Since he started playing hockey when he was a kid, he hasn't gone this long without playing, but he is going straight on the top line. He's going to be the Golden Knights' number one center tonight right between Max Pacioretty and Evgeny Dodonov, uh, two finishers. So they, I, I asked Eichel about playing with Pacioretty a couple of days ago. He said, uh, that guy's got a good shot. I like to think of myself more as a distributor. I'm going to try to get the puck on his stick and let him shoot it. So he, they're putting him right between two of their top finishers. And really what this does for the Golden Knights is it – 
pushes some of their really good scorers down the lineup. It really strengthens their depth. Their leading scorer, their leading goal scorer, Jonathan Marshall, so, and their leader in points, Chandler Stevenson, will both be playing on the third line tonight. So um, some matchup issues for Colorado. And along with that top center spot, Eichel will also be on the top power play unit tonight. So uh, they're not easing him in. Jesse, also roster issues. And that brings us to Mark Stone. And the conversation prior to this was, how are they going to fit Jack's $10 million into the, the roster? And we, we know there's issues for, for Mark Stone health-wise. He's been in, in and out of the lineup. But to, to now basically think that he may sit out for a month, two months, unless they shed some significant payroll, that's a pretty big price to ask Mark Stone. Yeah, it is. And, 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 and to be honest... It, it's a very difficult situation. There are so many layers to this. There's obviously the salary cap where they're going to have to trade at least one, maybe two players if Mark Stone is healthy enough to play. Um, and then you've got, we don't know exactly what is ailing Mark Stone's back. Um, I heard that he's heard, seen a couple specialists just from two days ago when Kelly McCrimmon spoke and Kelly McCrimmon said, we're not exactly sure we're trying to identify. But I've heard he's seen a couple specialists since then, just in the last couple of days, and they Michael still are having a hard time. <laughs> Sorry, right, <don't> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe Stone should see him. But, but yeah, so, so I think, is it? Is it better for Mark Stone to wait a month or two months and let that back actually have a chance to heal better than he has? Maybe. Um, this, this may be, a, like, like I said, a perfect scenario for the Golden Knights where this guy, if, if, if Jack Eichel didn't exist, Mark Stone would probably be playing through this injury um, like he has up to this point. He's, he's tried to play through it several times and had to, be, had to miss games, had to miss several games. And I think they're taking this as an opportunity. And then, and then – I asked McCrimmon about the, the salary cap implications of it the other day, and he said, you know what, that's a month, that's five weeks away. In five weeks, we're going to know a lot more about Mark Stone's um, health. We're going to know a lot more about Alec Martinez is another guy who's on the injured reserve right now. He's on LTIR. He carries a $5 million cap hit. Robin Leonard carries a $5 million cap hit, and he's he's not healthy right now. So. I think in five weeks, Kelly McCrimmon's going to have to look at this again when the trade deadline gets here and decide. Do are we going to make a move? And it doesn't have to. They don't have to shed all the salary. They may just have to shed some of it if one of these guys is not going to be healthy all the way. But yeah, I think I think it's a a moving target. And as we go over the next five weeks, they're going to have to decide: Are we going to bring Mark Stone back in and try to play him through that back injury, and try to trade somebody in order to allow us to do that, or is the best option to let him sit? We're speaking with Jesse Grange, who covers the Golden Knights uh, for The Athletic. One name that I had kind of circled right from the get-go uh, is Riley Smith on a expiring contract, $5 million. The issue I have right now, if in fact they tried to shed payroll, is that you're in a, a dogfight right now if you're Vegas. And Anaheim's not out of the picture. Dallas isn't out of the picture. I'm not sure that you can afford to even trade Riley Smith right now with Mark Stone already out, albeit you get Jack Eichel. But you can't, you can't take for granted here that, uh, that you're, you're going to end up in the playoffs uh, 40 games from now. 
Right, 100%. I think I think a lot of people over the last couple of days since Mark Stone went on LTIR have kind of said, well, how come every team doesn't do this? <laughs> well, it takes a very specific situation. Not every team can have a Nikita Kucherov sit out all season and, and make the playoffs and get to that point. And the Golden Knights are in sort of a similar situation. It's like, yeah, it, it would be great if Mark Stone could sit out and they and – they, have all this full lineup, but you still have to qualify for the playoffs. And, and the Pacific division, I think helps them in that the Pacific division is probably the weakest of the four. Um, but Calgary's playing really, really well right now. Anaheim and LA are, are, are having better seasons than people expected. Edmonton, who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll, maybe the Oilers will come back and, and be that other team to beat in this division. Maybe not. I'm honestly not sure, but yeah, it's, it's definitely not a, a given that the golden Knights are just going to cakewalk to the playoffs, although they have for four years. So how, how bad is Robin Leonard's injury? I guess, what is it? How bad is it? And then is that, is that a situation where they would put him on LTR to get Martinez back and just kind of wait that thing out? Cause you need a goalie in there. Yeah. Who else is it? Logan Thompson. Is that right? Well, it's going to be Loren Brassois, um, who right. obviously played behind Connor Hellebuck uh, in Winnipeg. He's going to be the guy here for – we don't know. I, we asked Pete DeBoer this morning. He said he expects Robin Leonard to be back sooner than later, which is obviously a very vague answer that doesn't tell us a whole lot. But right. it does tell us that, it, that, that there have been some – people wondering if it will require surgery and Pete DeBoer sounded like that is not the route they're going to go and that they're going to, they're going to give Brassois some games here. We don't know how many five, six, the golden Knights are lucky that they don't have a heavy schedule in February because they didn't miss a ton of games early in the season with COVID. They don't have as many to make up. This is a light schedule month for them. So Brassois can handle the load. He's played well enough for this team. I think the way they're going to go, they're going to approach this is they're going to let Leonard rest and hope that that, we we believe it's a shoulder injury. I don't have details of what specifically it is, but he he did have shoulder surgery a couple season off seasons ago, so it could be kind of along those same lines. I think they're they're taking the let's let it rest, let it improve, and Robin Leonard is going to be our guy going into the playoffs. I know some people are wondering if they might trade for a goalie. That doesn't seem like the route they're going to take, at least for now. We'll see where things go. Frank Saravelli. Uh from uh, the Daily Faceoff, dropped the name Marc-Andre Fleury uh, the other day as maybe a revisit by Vegas. I, I got to be honest with you. I think we have a better chance of seeing the real Elvis sing the anthem at the next game than Marc-Andre Fleury ever going back. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, yeah, I think I agree with you on those odds. <laughs> Not happening, huh? it, it doesn't seem like a likely reunion. Well, okay. it's a shame. It would be fully entertaining. I know that much. Elvis? Elvis. Elvis and Mark Andre Fleury. <laughs> Pull him out of the Burger King? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, uh, Jess, enjoy the game tonight. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. should be fun. Thanks, Jesse. Jesse Granger, Golden Knights coverage for The Athletic. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, – I think Vegas, if, if goaltending might be an issue – and uh, Leonard's out. They're they're in a fight. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm kind of torn on Vegas. I think the full ver- version of Vegas that they're envisioning with Stone in playoffs and keeping everyone like, man, they might be a formidable team at that point. But if you got to strip away two parts just to fit in the guys you got, yeah, I'm not sure that they're that great. They've struggled to score in the playoffs in the past. All right. I think maybe about an hour ago. Brad Marchand had his in-person hearing 
Gary Tackett with on? Gary. You know what's interesting on that is that I, I don't think Gary gave Brad any option on a Zoom call. He made him come in. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you come report directly to the principal's office. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, kind of interesting. Make you put on a collared shirt. Can't just show up on your Zoom in a hoodie. Oh, I would love it. I would love to, to see Do you wore a full suit. think for one second, coming off especially the, the Spezza situation where he went against his uh, player safety department with George Peros going from six to four for Spezza, that Marchand even has a chance. You kidding me? Bettman just saw him talk, you know, tweet at the Carolina Hurricanes that you're the reason we pay so much in escrow. Like, talk about piling on the embarrassments for the league. He legitimately might make it seven. <laughs> he might just say, listen, you punk, seven for you. Do you want to, anyway, <laughs> do you want to do the, the Leafs bit we have for the last 10 minutes well, here? Do you want to stay I, on Marshawn? I, I no, I'm, I'm done okay. on Marshawn. Just okay. a little, uh, you know, footnote. It, it is fun. So, um, First, I have two things. Okay. Something that he brought up that I thought was extra, that Jesse brought up that I thought was really interesting, and something I thought I I didn't really know that they sell tickets to practice. Sell tickets? Well, they, yeah, they have tickets. They have people going to practice. There's no way they, they you just go for free, right? Well, no, they might just open the door and say, "Come on in." Are you kidding me? <laughs> Seattle sells eighteen dollar beers at their practice facility for the fans. Are you joking? No, I'm not joking. There's, there's a bit of an issue in Seattle that With a lot alcohol? of people no, just to, <laughs> I've uh, been there. Can confirm. Too expensive. There, there's a lot of people complaining well, in, the, in the first year. US for a, there, a beer the, is a little excessive. Tickets as well. Well, then maybe the pressure gets ramped up sooner than later to win hockey matches. You're an owner of a team. If a thousand people show up for practice and you can. Squeeze some dollars out of them. I don't blame them. Supply and demand. You got the demand. Supply costs money. Mm -hmm. I used to race when I was a kid to once a year open leaf practices. 16,000 people at Ma uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. It, it, was, it was sponsored by Dominion, which was a grocery it, it chain. It is interesting they don't do that more. That's what I was going to say. That would have a great appeal to me. Why don't they sell like they love no, making money said, like sheldon they, we need do. a full hour long they, practice they, they do they they've they've done stuff like that in the past i think it's more uh on occasion corporate like you can invite corporate companies you can sit 200 people i think sheldon or brendan and uh, alumni have Watch had opportunities Justin to all do down and backs uh sheldon's been miked for practices or or morning skates yeah in the past so there's there's a lot of it i think going around the league Sheldon gets out there for morning skate. That's not a lot of coaches. Well, not all the coaches do. Yeah, that. he's still kind of young, though. Let him let, him, <laughs> let him get bitter. Twenty years in the they, league and they, say, yes. hey, let the assistants run that. They do the outdoor practice too. Sometimes they've done it at yeah. at, at uh, Nathan yeah. Phillips Square. Yeah, which I remember correctly. But so I have one more thing for you guys. Yes. Sorry, excuse me. I'm still recovering from the weekend. Uh, <laughs> you sound noticeable. Is that why you here. butchered the Marley giveaway? <laughs> no, no, I'm just an idiot. Um, so. Uh, we were talking about women's hockey tonight. USA yes. versus Canada. To save it all. This quote from uh, Greg Wyshynski did a, a great piece on ESPN about, about the game. This quote from Natalie Spooner about the game. Every time we go against them, we want to make a statement and show them that they don't belong on the ice oh, with us. I love it. I love it. Okay, but Natalie. we're past that. Wow. But we're past that. 
I love that. What well, are you I talking mean, about? That's I mean, competitive. Spooner jersey. No, what I mean is, like, this is, they're the only two teams that count. They do belong on the ice with them. They, they need each other. And the reason why we're always interested in this game is because it's so close and it's so tight. There's no, no one stomping on anybody or running anyone over. They're good competitive games because they're the only two teams that matter. But they I can't blame her for being like, you know what, maybe uh, it's been like that in the past, yeah, but now they're she's, not she's good just, enough. It's just one of those things where, you know, you're trying to I love it. sell it a little bit. That, I but know, it's not WWE. That, you're I not, mean, you're that, not, but, but it, it's, it's not really, you're not beating them 10-1 like you're beating Switzerland, for God's sakes. That's not happening. But I admire the aspiration yes, to do course. so. of course. It's the raw, raw stuff. Uh, That's great. It's good. People like you eat it up, apparently. <laughs> Sammy eats it up. I love it. Yeah, Dude, I know you love it because you're a, a super fan. So uh, you just mentioned them beating Switzerland. Uh, a buddy of mine at our Super Bowl party was on tilt after losing a rather sizable bet on the Cincinnati Bengals. He put a sizable amount of money on the Canadian women's hockey team to cover seven and a half. And, and they got lost. It. No, they lost 10 3. So oh, they didn't cover. No. <laughs> Chasing bets, though. That's no, bad news. It, it is great that these guys, the, the women, they, they play each other so often in every major tournament. We even do a, a rivalry series, and nobody's sick of it. Mm-hmm. No, it's because it's just such a right? game. Every time they play, it's yeah. so it's so intense. Whereas we got a, we're all so pumped over a Canadian division. Yeah, and then by December, the league and the league's talking about, and people are getting tired of this. Right, it's yeah. getting boring sometimes yeah. watching the the continued rivalry. But that hasn't been the case with the women in, in Canada and, and the U.S. I do wonder about the dynamics between the women on both teams there. And, you know, we'll have someone on tomorrow and we'll discuss this a little bit. Um, But I I do want to know, because they rely on one another so much for these great games, there must be a shared respect and there must be some relationship off the ice. You don't think, or do you think there's that pure hatred of... No. Because, you know, like with Flyers and Penguins, it's like there's 30 other teams, you're allowed to just screw those guys to hell with them. I I used to go watch the wrestling at uh, Hershey Park Arena and Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, they kill each other out there and underneath the stands, they're drinking wine and playing cards (laughs) and they're like... Well, a lot of them play together too in in different places, right? Like it's it's not like it's... Like hockey world is small to begin with. I imagine that's a tight-knit community. But I do think... With... Once the puck drops, this is where it defines them. There's there's Canada and US and there's their, their programs and they're so far ahead of everyone else and we continue to see that Olympic after Olympic... That it's well, they're they, professional hockey players. Th- they are. They're not, and, and no, no one can keep up with that program. S- the Swedes look at the money that they put in towards the men's program, and they they have trouble developing the women's program. And I would assume because they're not telling the women come and commit and make it full time, mm-hmm. and we'll look after you. That's not happening in other places, but it, it's happening in the U.S. and Canada, and they're benefiting it benefiting because they're the, the they're at the top of the hill. What's crazy is that, you know, you talk about the disparity between these two teams and the other teams, and it should logically only grow because 
there's more money being poured into these leagues but now, and I, more women are going to be full-time players from North America. I think that the other countries have gotten better. Sure. But, but USA have. and Canada have gotten 100 times better. Yeah. So it's, it's like... It's the money. It's the money's exact, not of course, close. Of course. And it's like, still so not the time close the to, education. To, to, to put into the programs full-time. And that's going to be the, the tricky part internationally anyways. In North America, you're right. We're getting more women playing, and, and hopefully they can get their league. I saw a, uh, saw a bet from a certain company that pays plus 1800 for Marie-Philippe Poulin to score the overtime winning goal for Team Canada. But it's just such a specific bet. It's not that I'm saying but she, she can't. She scores every big goal ever for take them. Take it. I, you know, she might be worth 20 on that. clutch thing. gene beyond yes. all athletes. And if that happens tonight, she's one of the most clutch in uh, Canadian hockey history. So let's see it. Can't wait. Our Canada, thanks. baby. Our thanks to Rick Tockett, Bob Stoffer, Jesse Granger. Were you guys uh, surprised at uh, all the uh, Mitch Marner... Uh, non-believers still out there after I told them <laughs> Scram beat it? No. He generates conversation. <laughs> Put it that way. Lightning rod. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. We're back tomorrow. Have a great night. Enjoy, enjoy the gold medal game tonight.